0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: The following episode of Let's Eat In has been brought to you by Cane 5. Cane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.cane5.com.
2: You're listening to Let's Eat In. I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and this is Heritage Radio Network uh, here at Roberta's Pizza it's the headquarters in Bushwick. Um, Today, I'm really excited to talk with one of my food heroines of all time. Uh, She is, let me read this, Lucinda. Okay. Her name is Lucinda Scalaquin, and she is the executive food director at Martha Stewart Living. Um, She is a co-host of Everyday Food, and she has her own show called Mad Hungry with Lucinda Sculloquin. It's on the Hallmark Channel every Wednesday at 11 a.m. There's also a book by the same name that just came out last year. Thanks so much for being here um, via telephone. Lucinda, are you there?
3: I am. Hi, Kathy. Hi. I'm really happy to be by phone, but I wish I was at Roberta's.
2: (laughs) Well, I just saw your blog, actually, and I saw you made some delicious-looking pizzas, so... It sounds like you had a good dose of that. <laughs> that's
3: true. That's true.
2: <laughs> so have you actually ever been here? Um, I, know you're I
3: have. In passing, mm-hmm. I didn't spend enough time, though. I was um, out on a, an odyssey to, you know, I had to hit a bunch of things out in Brooklyn, and I didn't really get to spend much time. But um, my old friend Gabe McMackin is hanging around oh, there a right. lot. Oh, that's
2: right. He's one of the chefs, and he used to work I on your show. I know. Uh, yeah. he,
3: Gabe used to work with me here at Martha Stewart.
2: What a funny little small world connection there. Well, I'll tell him you said hi. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So um, I know that uh, you must be incredibly busy with the show. Did you just finish airing a whole lot of uh, of um, episodes recently? Or, or sh- yeah, shooting, sorry. Yeah, I mean, the, the
3: show... It's, it debuted in September it's it's actually on Monday through Friday so that's five days a week oh. and um, what we do is we we tape we tape two a day in chunks of periods of time so um, a couple weeks ago we, we finished shooting I think it's about 60 shows <laughs> and we're done until the beginning of the year so yeah it's you know adding that into everything else was hard I mean in the beginning we were just seeing if it was going to work and seeing how people responded to it and um, fortunately Unfortunately, it seems to have hit a chord, just that simple idea of gathering people around the dinner table that you want to hang out with and cooking fresh food. So that's really the essence of what the show's about. And um, so they picked it back up for 80 more shows that we start back up doing in January. So I'm having to... You know, maybe stop a few of the things I used to do. Uh, of course, there's always great people around who who can step up and do them. And because you know, basically, I I, I kind of just wake up in the morning and do my deal at home with my family and my dogs, and then go to work and then come home. So <laughs> I don't I, mean, I don't tend to be a workaholic, even though it sounds like I have a lot to do. I really I like the life part more than the work part.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, this is uh, incredible. I mean, on top of uh, the magazine. And everyday food, uh, how do you? Because yeah. I know that you do cook a lot, and you spent you actually, you know, spend a lot of time cooking at home. Uh, yeah,
3: well, you know, that's the biggest thing—the the job that my um, food director job that has grown um, immensely over the years. One of the biggest things is I never want to really be out of the kitchen, both at mm-hmm. work or at home. So. <laughs> That's a challenge because it's easier to, you know, just kind of overview everybody. I mean, first of all, you have we have so many talented people who work here, who work with me, and who have worked with me for a while. But yeah, at home, I mean, I um, cook. Uh, every day, because that's the way we like it. (laughs) And um, I have a family of five, so I generally do a big dog walk in the park. I live here in the city, and then come back and get breakfast organized, and any potential lunch, or start ahead on dinner things, which... Hey, that's what I do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I know you probably agree. It's kind of, what I've discovered over a lot of years of doing this is even something as simple as um, just getting the chicken in a marinade and trimming up the broccoli and washing the baked potatoes and poking them takes me that much further ahead when I get home. You know, normally, you well, first of all, the shopping, right? Which is, mm-hmm. I know that I've got the food, but it um, it seems like nothing, but, you know, taking five or ten minutes off the evening routine is huge, I think. That, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, uh, you know, 30-minute this or hurry mm-hmm. up and do this. I think more that we need to chunk out our time in order to achieve the eating at home is the the best way I I think about doing it. So
2: that's a good tip. Whenever you're in the kitchen, think about when you're going to be there next and what you might have to do or could do. Exactly,
3: and sometimes if you live with somebody, uh, you could engage them. So if, like, this morning, for example, the two chickens... You know, I've got five people, so I, I have to do two chickens. But <laughs> I get it all organized with a little note on the fridge. Like, if anybody who's able-bodied comes home before I do, then can you get the chicken in the oven at uh, the temperature? That's great. Um, and I'm always thinking. And then, you know, but but before we're, you know, while when we even start eating that, I'm going to be wondering what's happening the next day. And you know, so I'm always one step ahead of it. And I mean, I enjoy. Eating out at times, but I prefer eating at home, which is a bit of a novel concept in many ways here in New York City. I mean, I know you—you you know—wrote you you know, a whole book on the subject, and of <laughs> course, I found your blog because I was so fascinated by um, somebody who was actually taking a stand <laughs> in favor of eating in because it's not always easy, you know.
2: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It it can be though. I, I think that you're living proof here. Um, even when surrounded by food, or maybe even because you're surrounded by food, it's it's a joy, and it's
3: uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I for for my day job, I got I have you know I'm expected to go out a lot, and I, I try to do it at lunchtime when I'm at work, but there's still I, there's still pretty much no meal I, I wouldn't rather be having at home, um, mm-hmm. no matter how simple. I am a frugal person by nature; I can't help it, <laughs> um, and I you know I just. I just I just like being at home. And I also think it's cooking simply at home is not hard. And, um, well, one thing's for sure. I, do, I just categorically don't believe in fast food and processed food. So even if mm. I didn't care about cooking, I wouldn't want to eat that. And I don't want the people that I feed to eat that. Mm. Um, although here in New York City, obviously, in all the boroughs, we have so many options, like delicious, you know, Street food and all kinds of things like that, um, you know and my own kids, they definitely partake, but um I noticed that they really they love to come home and eat, and they love to if they smell something cooking, they're drawn you know back in, and they also realize that if they if they eat at home, then they will have like ten more dollars in their pocket for yeah, something else <laughs> exactly
2: that's so true and Have you gotten your uh, boys to start cooking too themselves? oh yeah, I oh, mean wow. From the beginning,
3: um, I, I'm not a, I mean, I, I enjoy the, the little ones in the kitchen, like my nieces who are quite young there and there with me, but, you know, I, I'm not like, oh, my son, you know, my son goes to the cheese shop and picks out, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's a lot of people that like to brag foodie status with their kids. Oh, I, I never see. really did that. But when they get to a certain age, um, and it's later than you'd think, for instance, my oldest son was about 15 or 16 in high school, and he wanted more allowance, and I was, like, not about to do that, because we were on a very slim ship, so I said, okay, if you, wanna, if you want more allowance, then you need, to have, you need to contribute, and the biggest deal that we have going here is dinner every night for five people, mm-hmm. so if you can cook the meal once a week, which means you have to give me a shopping list, you have to cook it, you have to clean it up, um, then I will raise your allowance. And I, I think it was an eye-opener for him because he thought he would just get into the swing of cooking what he was used to eating, which, by the way, wasn't too complicated or fancy. Mm-hmm. But then um, the first day we did this, he he put his hand out and he said, Is this a clove of garlic? And it was a head of garlic. <laughs> I thought, Oh, man, the, the basics of what you need to learn. So I, I said, Okay. I'm going to put some time in with you. And so I walked him through over the weeks some of the standards in the house. It might just be a tomato sauce, how you roast a chicken, uh, you know, pork chop, whatever. And so it was great in the sense that he learned to cook. He learned to cook, and he also understood what it meant to, to cook. And he um, went off to college and within six months couldn't really deal with the dorm food or anything. And, mm-hmm. again, he's not a he's not like a snobby, fancy foodie guy. He just wanted – he. He also wanted to feed himself and his friends, and do so tasty, and so that one totally cooks. And then my middle son, um, he has worked for uh, when he was 16 years old. School wasn't like the most agreeable thing for him, <laughs> so he went and started working in a professional kitchen, wow. and has you know did so for about two and a half years at a, at uh, Le Bernardin in New York City, and Trial by Fire. He. Um, So he's a professional, and then the young one is just about at the age right now where the others were really starting, and he actually said to me the other day, uh, what was I having him do? Oh, I was just having him whip some cream by hand because I didn't feel like dealing with the blender, and he looked at me and goes, you know, it's time I learned how to cook. Uh, And I said, yeah, it is. Now's the time. So we'll start in with him. But, you know, they all... So it's proof. I feel like they're old enough for me to believe now that I practiced it with them younger. They liked it and want to recreate it and two of them do it now and I love the idea they're all boys I love the idea that I'm sending three sons out into the world who can cook that makes me really happy
2: mm-hmm Definitely, Um, in the city, too. I mean, born and raised. Yeah, I
3: think it's, I just think it's important. I I laugh when I say, look, if you can cook, great. If you can dance, forget about it. And if you can give a massage, you are, like, you are going to be a full-service individual.
2: Now go to medical school. Go to medical school. The sky's the limit. Oh, that is great. Um, congrats! I can't imagine what your Thanksgiving spread must have looked like then. Oh was gosh! Collaboration. You know what I was
3: just saying because my husband said, "Well, the biggest thing we did is we had a um, we had a, a taste off because I do my." turkey outside oh. on the Weber although this year I graduated to the the big green egg Oh um, wow. So we did one we did instead of a, a giant bird we did one in the egg and one in the oven and then we ta- we did a taste off okay. but the older I get and this is probably maybe the 20th or 30th Thanksgiving I've cooked and that's just at home because of course in my day job we do Thanksgiving six sure. months before Thanksgiving in the test kitchen so sure. I've been around a lot of turkeys um <laughs> But what my uh, my husband was saying, wow, things were really great this year. And what I did this year is I, I really pare back on any any extra seasonings. Like w- one of the kids said, oh God, how did you make this this cranberry sauce? is amazing. And I said, Nothing. well, it's probably the first year that I just used um, you know beautiful organic picked cranberries with just the right amount of sugar and water and salt. Period. So you really just tasted cranberry. That's um great. so I, in, in the past I've had multiple side dishes and I really pared it down to um just you know I did something I thought was really cool for, with my sweet potatoes and they all were like why didn't you leave the sweet potatoes plain they're so delicious on their own mm-hmm. and I thought hmm they they're right cuz I I really appreciate more and more the absolute pure flavors of the food especially when they're all ganged up on a plate you know and yeah. you have that tart cranberry and then you have um a, you know a sweet soft sweet potato and and it's I just I was saying that I, the older I get the more I like to pare away Pair down. any superfluous seasoning like my apple pie wanted to taste like apple not like spices
2: right yeah, you know, now that I think about it, Thanksgiving meal is really like a uh, you know, a bunch of extreme flavors, it's tart cranberry, sweet, sweet candied yams and uh, you know, savory gravy and it's just Exactly.
3: Like so, you don't need to be like adding, you know, people go through these crazy recipes and it's like, no, I I I had this epiphany this Thanksgiving like tear it away to just just what you need to do to bring out the essence of that one thing, and then all together on the plate, you have an unbelievable mosaic.
2: Right. I, I remember this year, my dad wanted to try adding sour cream to the potatoes. I just said, no, 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 no. no. Let's
3: just take yeah. it easy. I was chastised because anyway. I didn't put mashed potatoes on the table this year, and I, oh. I said, no, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a boycott because they're a pain in the butt, and I don't <laughs> want them. And you've got everything else here, and they were like, "Well, don't try it again." <laughs>
2: It's hard. I can't imagine. I mean, I've only cooked um, like myself for Thanksgiving meals. Um, I can imagine, and I've already like, oh, what can I do next? Different. I, I can't imagine how many times uh, you've thought that too. What? How oh yeah, to and especially it here
3: at, at the the test kitchens because you know the magazine uh, Martha Stewart Living magazine is you know 15 years old. Fifteen or twenty, anyway. Every November. No, it's twenty. Jesus, twenty years old. So that's twenty Thanksgivings (laughs) and twenty times you're asking yourself, what are readers going to want to learn from us? What Mm. I mean, we know they want pies. We know you're going to have to do a bird, but then what? (laughs) How? Um, And and. You know, it's, that's why I found it really interesting this year. I decided usually I do about a twenty-four pound bird, and I decided to do these two separate birds, um, which was good for my household because everybody likes the wings and the legs and the dark meat. So right. it, it worked out well. Um, that's a good
2: idea. Not too but, much bulk. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and and we really did some tasting. And, you know, really, and then it's funny because you know on. Um, On my radio show, Eat Drink, we did this holiday roundtable for Thanksgiving, and people called in. I can't tell you, Kathy, how many people called in to say that their favorite way to cook uh, um, turkey is in a bag, which I've never done before.
2: What kind of bag? uh... Well,
3: there's like this turkey bag that you get at the supermarket, and they're like, oh, it's the juiciest turkey, but I can't imagine that the skin is is crust, you know, is golden. But Uh, anyway, that's going to be the next thing that I investigate because if so many people love their turkey in a bag, there must be something going on for it.
2: Well, it sounds like it could be endless then, how to cook the turkey. Yeah, I mean, last
3: year we actually spatchcocked the turkey. We took the backbone out and just pressed it down, and it cooked in 70 minutes. So to cook a bird in an hour and 10 minutes, that's pretty darn good for somebody who wants um, to try something different, you know.
2: Sounds like it might be Uh, a little steamy too, like with the bag. I don't know. Yeah,
3: and then we were having a lot of conversations about like to brine or not to brine and people were saying, "Well, why would you ever brine?" And I and I said, "I think I like to recommend brining to someone who's never cooked a turkey before because I think it gives you a little leeway in terms of moistness in that breast if you screw up on the cooking time."
2: Definitely. Well, um, let's talk about the leftovers if we may in a little bit. But I picked out a song because I just saw an episode from your last Mad Hungry where you made meatloaf. So here's a meatloaf song. <laughs> we'll be right back in a moment. <laughs> We're back after a little short uh, meatloaf interlude uh, Do check out the meatloaf episode on Mad Hungry um, I, That's my guest, the host of that show, Lucinda Scala-Quinn And this is Let's Eat In, I'm your host, Kathy Irway And uh, Lucinda, are you still there? Yes, I'm here Hey, we got a friend who just jumped on, Darren Bresnitz a producer, One of the producers on your show And also a host of the next show here on Heritage called Snacky Tunes.
3: Oh, Darren, how are you? Good,
1: how are you, Lucinda?
3: <laughs> Excellent, Darren's been having to edit this stuff <laughs> it, It's been <laughs> nothi- he's sick of looking at me right oh,
1: it's been nothing but a joy i've I've had a time getting to uh meet and eat with your family in the edit bay
3: yeah, that's true. We just did a christmas special um mm. that was uh, you, you know that we pulled together, bringing oh yes. my God my mother and my brothers and mm. one of my kids in from different bergs it was uh It was kind of intense.
1: (laughs) It was great. You know, I actually uh, took Mad Hungry home with me for Thanksgiving and cooked some of the recipes with my mom. We made uh, um, the cream spinach and the uh, vegetable... The side dish that you made for Thanksgiving?
3: Oh, yeah, that charbroiled eggplant tomato and zucchini. How'd that work out?
1: It went over very well. I think, uh, you know, it was one of those dishes that everyone was surprised about what it started out as and then what it turned into. Uh, just the yeah, roasting you've got to cook
3: that long enough. Just that's cook- the thing I always tell people, because then you get all the moisture out of those vegetables, and then it just caramelizes in the olive oil, and that's when it starts mm. tasting amazing.
1: I told my mom, I said, look, Lucinda said just press it down and put it back in the oven. You'll see what yeah. happens. <laughs>
3: Also, I got a, I got a lot of emails about that cream spinach. Um, people saying, "Oh my God, I didn't know how easy it was because cream spinach." I love cream spinach, and um, it is so easy. I, you
2: know, and, it's spinach and cream, right? Am I? No, no there's no cream. Amount. Oh, bechamel, yum! Okay, yeah, bechamel
3: with some. Well, sometimes I even put Parmesan in the bechamel, but mostly just a bechamel. And the key, though, is for me, is like when you steam that spinach before you you, you fold it into right. a bechamel. Um, the spinach should still have like, um, you know, some texture
2: to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, my you just my kind mom of quickly toss it at the end. Toss
1: it, so. and then the, my mom guessed that secret ingredient of nutmeg before I even put it in.
2: Yeah, I mean,
3: if, you know, if people are, I remember when when I first got on to, to um, that dish is my, actually it was my grandmother who used to put that Stouffer's cream spinach when we would go visit her, and she would make us eat it, and at first I hated it, and then I started loving it, and then when I got older I was like, okay, I want to make that myself without the Stouffer's part.
2: hmm <laughs> So I, I'm sure you probably get this a lot, and um, I I do too. And I, I I don't know. I know my answer to it, but what would you say is your your cooking style? or your your food style. Sorry, culinary. Any like cuisine that you adhere to?
3: Um, I guess for me, no matter what discipline I'm in, it's like maximum flavor for minimum fuss. I'm a, I'm a big flavor cook. Like I like. Mm, I just like the robust savoriness of, you know, fat and spice, and gotcha. um, I, uh, you know, just as much appreciate um, a poached, you know, a gently poached something. But um, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a real minimalist. I think, again, the the longer I've been doing this, which is you know a long long time, thirty years, I like to. Only leave the essential flavors in something. So I, I'm always telling young cooks here where I work. It's it's like knowing what to leave out is is really challenging. Like easy, like truly delicious, simple or easy to cook food is is very hard to make because you have to know what to leave out. So it's like uh, you know, like like Picasso mastered anatomy before he ever you know made a drawing with four strokes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the, that's the that's the kind of my my sweet spot and why it's it it works well on mad hungry because people are looking to find recipes that that they can relate to that don't just aren't just easy to execute on but have such a a a big flavor that you you absolutely got to make it again because the people that have been eating with you just remember it, and they love it. And, yeah. and so, I mean, I cook from all kinds of diff- disciplines. I'm a, I'm a very curious, I mean, I'm naturally um, Italian on one side, so of course I cook a lot of Italian, And I'm, but I like, um, I like to study and cook from all kinds of cookbooks, mm-hmm. which I do mostly on weekends, like I'll go deep into somebody like a Claudio Rodan book or Diana Kennedy or something like that. The rest of the right. time, um, I'm just cooking, you know, and trying to get it done in the period of time that I have and enjoy it and make it taste good.
2: Right. And sounds like you, that, I mean, the bold flavors, that's just, you know, that's a universal thing. It's the best of all worlds, I think.
3: And yeah, I think, um, you know, my book, the book, Mad Hungry is Feeding Men and Boys, because I've all, you know, I have a husband and sons and, and brothers. And one of the things to keep the guys, like, around the table engaged and interested, you're not... You're not giving them like a steamed piece of fish. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's fine, but you need to you need big flavor,
2: right? And
3: then they're interested. And I learned from that. And of course, it's not just men that love that big flavor. It's um, you know, I like I like I like I like the extremes,
2: definitely. And what
1: I think most people can appreciate about is not just about men and boys. I would say it's also for those who are busy, because there are many times when you know you come home seven eight o'clock at night and you want a hearty and full tasting meal and the thing about your cookbook and your food is that you can get that without it being two or three hours in the kitchen
3: yeah that's true uh, thank you for pointing that out it's i'm always trying to again go okay can i make this can it taste just as good and can i do it in half the time
1: and without it being I, that semi-homemade type of thing oh yeah with it being like a fully cooked meal from scratch at, at most of the time
3: yeah, that's gotta. That's a prerequisite. I, I like. Um, I like to start with fresh ingredients and end up with something delicious. So, mm-hmm. and and be realistic about how we can achieve it. That's yeah, so true. being
2: realistic. I think that's a good point because I feel I see a lot of people my age, um, you know, peers trying to get into cooking because they're inspired and they're you know see a lot of. It's kind of a you know a. a Crafty trend
3: It so say. is Oh my yeah.
2: god. But um, I, What I love about your food It's just It's so real um, It's uh, Homespun uh, Not to say That it's not Like worthy of a restaurant But um, No I,
3: I totally know What you mean
2: Yeah But I feel a lot of people Are being informed By what they see In restaurants So they're, they're Kind of like Oh you know How do I make these uh, I don't know Whipped potato Something <laughs> Underneath my, Yeah, yeah this- Oh it's
3: so true It's like Oh how can I Faux sous vide And then make sure That I layer it with the it. and, yeah. and I always say Like why are you Biting off more Than you can chew mm-hmm. You oven roast Some vegetables With olive oil Salt and pepper And just throw in You know one herb And some whole garlic cloves You're going to Blow someone's mind mm-hmm. I guarantee You're going to mm-hmm. Blow someone's I, mind No
1: I have to agree I think so many people Are just not even accustomed Especially in New York To like a home cooked meal That where you go This was really simple To make And everyone goes You're Julia Child
3: <laughs> Exactly it's, it's, you know, and, there, and there, I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, I hear that and I think to myself, wow. But then I'll watch a lot of food television and I'll, and I'll see something that looks interesting to me, but I'll think to myself, oh, the poor person that's going to try to cook that. Or even in the test kitchens at Martha Stewart, I'm talking to the young cooks all the time. Uh, really, do you think someone has that pan at home? Do you think they have a dishwasher? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Pans are a good point. Or yeah. even you know, more than two burgers. Can you do
3: all those two things? And then a lot of the young cooking school grads try to, ex- try to convince me that I'm just, that I don't really know. Mm. You know, no, no, you got to sear it off. And I'm like, no, you don't.
1: <laughs> no. You really don't. I mean, I, I think one of the things about your cooking process as well is that you really try and minimize um, the cleanup as well. You know, uh, when you did uh, your short ribs and you said, look, brown it in here. Use one pot, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything has to happen in one pot. I'm always thinking like that. Or even like my husband was helping me get everything ready for um, Thanksgiving. And I asked him to pick the ends off the beans. Mm -hmm. He goes and starts to get up two pots. And I said, whoa, Mm -hmm. whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up the truck. (laughs) No, he goes and gets two bowls. I said... Get the pan that's gonna be the final pan you're cooking in, that's where the beans, once they've been picked, go in. Yep. And leave behind the picked part in the bags the beans come in. Yep. Yeah, And he was like, oh, my God, that's great strategy. And I just started laughing. I was like, no, that's called one last bowl that you're about to go dirty that I have to watch.
2: Dishwashing is, is a, is you know, a sacrifice. So, yeah. Um, can I ask one last question? Um, sure. I, I know you dedicate a whole book and show to cooking for men and boys. But what would you make for um, to really seduce uh, a man? Oh. That's my favorite uh, question. I have to ask it to every guest
3: well i I have a theory and I write about it in my book that um men love pie oh I, I think men one. love pie, and
2: i think they I, do too one uh,
3: one time i was- i was writing my book and I was listening to um david letterman and he, he I heard him say,
2: darren is cracking up for some reason i, can't, I maybe maybe why he hates I, pie no
1: I, I i absolutely uh love pie okay but good. it's just it's it's like of all the things I could think of like it's i that's I, a I guess good one. Yeah the right place to do. Well
3: anyway, David Letterman said, mm-hmm. and I actually quoted it in the book because he said, "You know it takes a pretty good cake to equal pie."
2: Ooh, nice. So and ooh. I
3: thought, he's so true, and like my my husband wants apple pie for his birthday period. My first boyfriend well, not really my first, my second boyfriend in college, he was born in June, and I made um, a, um, I made a um, strawberry rhubarb pie. For his birthday, mm. once. And I just thought that he had, he just, he was, his eyes were rolling back in his head like he never had anything <laughs> like it in his life. And, um, and i every year that we were together, I made it for him. And it, it made me realize that he was like, um, there was something about that pie. Because you have to master a few things. Anyway, so yeah. I'd, I'd seduce with pie, and if I couldn't seduce with pie, I'd probably seduce with like a kick-ass pan-seared steak.
2: Okay, now I'm thinking of an all-pie menu with a pot pie and then a mini pie for appetizer and then a pie for dessert.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. don't forget <laughs> I have um, these pocket pies in my okay. in my book also. And then the other thing is, Um, I have two, two, people are pastry-phobic, and there's this awesome pastry, um, which is cream cheese, made with cream cheese and butter, and the cream cheese gives it this pie ability so that anybody can roll this this dough out. Oh, I never thought of that. So lay a pie on the one you want to love you, and you will get them. I'm telling you, you
2: will get them. All right, I like that. Uh, Thank you so much for that invaluable. (laughs)
3: It's <laughs> an invaluable tip It's delicious that Well popped I'm glad up in that the someone in, I'm glad that the young the, the gentleman in the studio agrees
1: Oh I absolutely Absolutely agree I love those uh, Little chicken pot pies That you made I think Yeah you made that I for call the, those uh,
3: pocket pies That was my Railing again I guess this is Heritage Radio So I can be I can be um, You can rail
1: You can go A off. little looser yeah. Right
3: <laughs> Cause the kids came home one day and they wanted me to make um these things called hot pockets and i didn't really know what they were and i went to the grocery store they cost like a fortune for four, uh, something that these kids would eat in one bite and i didn't even know half the ingredients and i thought okay i get that they want convenience by making these at home i just started calling them pocket pies and keeping them in the freezer and and so i was acknowledging that they wanted kind of convenience food but made it homemade and that's what that's what um darren's talking about
1: yeah they're good it's the uh freezer friendly episode check it yep, out exactly. all
2: right i can't wait to see that one and what's your next episode uh gonna be i think it's says um on, on gosh the I,
3: I i don't even i don't even know because now it's they have new shows at 11 and then there's another show that runs oh, okay. at eleven thirty. there's just you never coming know the hits just keep on coming
2: all right well Jeff, definitely check that out check out lucinda's blog too it's great um MattHungryLSQ.blogspot.com. You're on Twitter. No, just go to MattHungry.com. I'll okay. get to it. Okay, you'll figure it out. Thank you so yep. much, Lucinda, for coming on air. I nice hope you, talk have... to Kathy. I hope to see you soon, and thanks, thanks a lot for saying hi, Darren.
1: Oh, of course, it's, it's been a pleasure.
2: <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that's our show. We'll be back next week. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and this is Darren. And uh, thanks to Jack and Nat in the controller booth. I don't want you